I'm Kelly Kleiman. And I'm Jonathan Abarbanel. And we're the Dueling Critics. Welcome to our weekly podcast of reviews and news about Chicago theater. And today we're talking about The White Snake at the Goodman Theater on the main stage running through June 8th. The White Snake was written and directed by Mary Zimmerman, and Mary Zimmerman is drawn to mythology like a moth is drawn to the flame. She has explored European mythology and, far more frequently, Middle Eastern and Asian mythology. And once again, she has returned to Asian mythology, specifically Chinese stories, for The White Snake, about a white snake of great antiquity, a sorceress who disguises herself as a beautiful young woman, falls in love with and marries a mere mortal man and an assistant pharmacist as well. One could hardly be a more mortal man than an assistant pharmacist. It seemed to me that whether in the original or in Mary Zimmerman's interpretation, the profession was deliberately chosen to make him sound as impotent as possible. It hardly matters what happens in this adaptation of the folktale, because like all of Mary Zimmerman's work, it is primarily about the production design and the showmanship. I will admit that at various times I've gotten discouraged with that or bored with that, feeling that she has emptied her bag of tricks. But The White Snake is a wonderful adaptation, completely oriented towards adults and nonetheless suitable for children, that uses a three-piece band with instruments from Asia and an a cappella singer as well as puppets to suggest the original forms of the white snake and her sidekick, Greeny, who unsurprisingly is a green snake. Now, I can understand why Mary is drawn so often to mythology. She likes a good, strong story to tell, a story that is, in a way, uncomplicated, though it may have a moral or a lesson to teach. The white snake has emerged in a variety of different forms, even within the Chinese tradition. As they say in the play, it forks like a snake's tongue, and they follow the different roots. But ultimately, there is a good story to tell. It lets her pull out all the visual stops. And in this production, Mary Zimmerman also dips into the resources of traditional Chinese theater, both the techniques of Yuan Dynasty drama from the 12 and 1300s, and also the later techniques and traditions of Peking opera, which is why you have a little three-piece orchestra playing Chinese instruments, especially heavy on percussion. Well, and she also uses some of the tropes of Chinese literature so that the bad guy in this story is a Buddhist monk. There's a continuing theme, particularly in Chinese literature after the 17th century, of battles between the Buddhists in China and the Confucians, and the Buddhists are often the bad guys. In this case, our evil Buddhist monk is played by the wonderful Matt DeCaro, and he is as creepy as one would want. He's determined to reveal the white snake to her husband as a snake instead of a person. And the moral of the story, to the extent that there is one, is that there's no point in deceiving the people you love. Either they will love you as you really are, or they will find out who you are and run screaming from the room. This, for example, is my attitude about Jonathan. (laughs) 
there are possibly two lessons or morals to be learned. I ran into a woman of my acquaintance after the show, and she said, well, I feel that this show is misogynistic. And it's saying that women are snakes, they will deceive you, and they will destroy you. And I said, well, I didn't see that at all, because the white snake is nothing but supportive and loving and caring about her husband. It is only the evil priest who wants to spoil things. And he represents, this was what I thought the lesson was, the dangers of zealotry in religious clothing. You do have the priest, though, in trying to destroy the snake and break up her happy marriage to the husband. She accuses him, the priest, of having no mercy, no compassion, and he shouts back at her, I have nothing but mercy. I am saving him from damnation. And how many grand inquisitors have destroyed the bodies of the faithful in order to save their souls and then thrown them in jail? I consider myself sensitive to misogyny, and I did not encounter it in this at all. I mean, certainly one could say, oh, this is a statement that all women are snakes, but actually it seems to be more of a statement that all snakes are women. Because <laughs> this woman, this this snake becomes a woman because she and her friend want to go see the wider world, and no sooner is she in the wider world than she falls head over heels in love. Everything that happens in the story is a byproduct of her love, which is much more powerful and much less judgmental than that of the husband she is serving. The performance of Amy Kim Washke as the White Snake is just lovely. She's not a fool. She's not overly naive, but she is persuasively, completely in love and determined to do absolutely everything. She is the classic woman sacrificing herself for the good of her man. Mary Zimmerman, of course, has a long history, a 20-year history with the Goodman Theater, and several of her major projects have had the world premieres there. This is not a world premiere. This was commissioned by the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and it was first done out there. I believe it also played at the Berkeley Repertory, and now we are seeing it for the first time in its regional premiere at the Goodman Theater. So some of the cast is coming to us from the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. It is a wonderful ensemble, and the production, as Kelly said, is gorgeous, as Mary Zimmerman's productions usually are. She uses her usual team, Mara Blumenfeld for costumes, T.J. Gherkins for lighting, Daniel Osling for scenic design. His scenic design is deceptively simple and is a wonderful background for the projections of a new member of Zimmerman's team, Sean Sagadi, who has used projections with a cleverness bordering actually on animation. And it really is a rich looking production in terms of lighting, projections, the costumes, the movement. It is not the most profound show that Zimmerman has ever done. It is very entertaining. It has its little lessons. But I would have found it more profound, I think, if she had deepened the character of the husband, Shushan, who is a bit of a poet, but we never really see his, the depths of his poetic nature. He's romantic, but we never really see the depths of his romantic nature. And a little more of him really would have added resonance to the story. I didn't mind the lack of profundity. I've certainly enjoyed those Zimmerman productions that included it. But here, I was truly swept away simply by the magic of the stagecraft. The one thing that you didn't mention, and there's a good 
good reason that you didn't mention, is the wonderful use of puppetry. And that's because there is no credit either for a props master or a puppet master. From this, we can infer either that all of those were created by Zimmerman herself, or that she left them in the hands of her extremely capable set designer. In any case, it comes together as a beautiful whole, and I would recommend it for anyone, including children above about the age of eight. The official Goodman material says children 10 plus, but except for any difficulties young children might have in following a not very complicated story, I can't imagine any reason to keep children away. There's nothing offensive in it at all. So we are two thumbs up this week. The White Snake, written and directed by Mary Zimmerman, continues through June 8th at the Goodman Theater in the Loop. Jonathan, do you have a pick for us? I do. I would like to recommend View Carre, a late career play by Tennessee Williams, one of his last to receive a Broadway production in 1977, where it closed in something like five performances. It is a memory play. The young writer, unnamed in the play, but obviously Williams himself, who goes to New Orleans in the late 1930s to find himself to discover life. He checks into a barely respectable rooming house with quite a colorful cast of characters, and he learns life lessons from them. Vucare was written late enough in William's career so that, among other things, he could use language he was never able to use in earlier plays, such as the F-bomb, and he also was able to write openly gay characters with a certain amount of sympathy and dignity, the young writer, the stand-in for Williams himself, being one of several in this play. Williams had a number of gay experiences and adventures in New Orleans. If you've read his diaries, you are party to those. And in the play, the young writer has only one or two that are a little bit uh, quieter and softer, but equally self-defining. This rarely seen play is a bit of a ramble. It's a kaleidoscope that where focus shifts between the various characters in it. One of the reasons it was not successful, though thematically it explores all the usual Tennessee Williams themes about loneliness and how to avoid it, how to escape from it, either by finding love or at least companionship and sex for an evening. It is a beautifully cast ensemble piece directed with great earnestness and respect and wonderful pacing by Cody Essel, who was a young member of the Raven Theatre Company. Unlike some younger directors today, he does not feel compelled to impose a dubious personal concept. He respects the text and the words and the intents of the authors, and he makes Vukare a rich experience. Vukare by Tennessee Williams at the Raven Theater, running through June 28th. The Dueling Critics Podcast is a production of Miracle Podcasts. Remember, if it's a good podcast, it's a miracle. Our producer is Michael Kay. You can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or go to DuelingCritics.net and click subscribe by email to have us delivered to your mailbox hot and fresh every Friday morning. You can also listen to our back catalog in SoundCloud, follow us on Twitter at Dueling Critters, and like us on Facebook. Most important, you can hear us on Sunday mornings as part of the arts section on WDCB Radio 90.9 FM. We're on alternate Sundays, but you should listen to it every Sunday because it's such a good show.
I'm Kelly Kleiman. And you can read Kelly's work at HuffingtonPost.com and at ChicagoNow.com slash The Nonprofiteer. I'm Jonathan Abarbanel. And you can read Jonathan at WindyCityTimes.com, TheaterMania.com, and Footlights.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.